the Dallas Stars find themselves in a must-win situation in Game 3 of the Western Conference Final against the Vegas Golden Knights. And on today's episode, I'm joined by former host of Locked On Stars, Josh Clark, to get you set for this Game 3 matchup. We'll talk about some of the biggest players on the team and how they need to improve their game and step up even more, and why we should be optimistic that the Stars can win Game 3 and get themselves back in this series. All of this and more coming up on today's episode of Locked On Stars. Your Locked On Stars, your daily podcast on the Dallas Stars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, Stars fans. Welcome back to the Locked On Stars podcast, the only daily podcast covering the Dallas Stars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Dane Lewis, your local expert on all things Dallas Stars hockey, coming to you on this Tuesday, May 23rd. And today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use our code Locked On NHL for $20 off your first purchase. And whether this is your first time here or you are a recurring listener, thank you for stopping by and for making Locked On Stars your first listen every single day. Be sure to subscribe to the show here on YouTube or follow us on your favorite podcasting platform of choice. If you're watching on YouTube, let me know in the comment section down below how you're feeling here ahead of Game 3. Will the Dallas Stars win their first game of the series or will they find themselves down 0-3? against the VGK. But we got a very fun episode on tap, getting you prepared for tonight's game. Former host of the Lockdown Stars podcast, Josh Clark, joined me to talk all things Jason Robertson, Jake Ottinger, Miro Haskinen, a lot riding on the 2017 draft classes. They're expected to be the leaders on this team here and help get the Stars back in this series. But let's not hesitate any longer and jump into today's episode, a conversation with Josh Clark. Joining me now on today's episode, a very special guest. And for those of you who have been Locked On Stars listeners since the beginning, uh, a familiar voice in Josh Clark, former host of Locked On Stars and now also working for the Stars on TV and also now writing for the team and covering them here in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Josh, how's everything going? It's been a while since we've had you on. Dane, it's it's funny. It simultaneously feels like it's been a couple of weeks since I was last on and a decade since I was last on. So, I mean, I guess it's probably been about two years now since I, my last appearance on lockdown stars. So excited to be back. Thanks for having me. And it's, it's busy, but as you know, at this time of year, if you're busy working in hockey in May, it's usually a pretty good sign. It's usually things are typically going pretty well, whether it's a playoff run or whether it's a draft lottery, depending on what side of the spectrum you're on. So regardless, things are busy. Things are good and excited about this playoff run. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to talk all about the Western Conference final here in a second. But just want to pick your brain on something first, just with how fun this season has been for the Dallas Stars, for the fan base. And I know a lot of what you do centers around the statistics for the team. And it's been a pretty great year for statistics, especially offensively for the Stars. Plenty of players breaking records. Uh, Jason Robertson scoring 100 points, the only Dallas star to ever do that. Miro Haskinen break Sergei Zubov's record for the most points scored in Dallas by a defenseman. What what was what was this season like for you just watching this team as we're finally kind of starting to see this new era 
of stars hockey start to take shape, especially with, you know, the 2017 draft class. But, you know, you throw in a Wyatt Johnston, you throw in Rope Hints finally kind of starting to take form. And it makes for a pretty interesting season, I imagine, uh, doing what you do, just, you know, creating graphics and, you know, covering all of these stats for the team for the TV broadcast that adds to the fan experience. Oh my gosh. Like it, from a numbers standpoint, just off the draw, an unreal season. I mean, I, I remember, I think it was in, it was in Buffalo in early March, right after the stars won 10 to four scored 10 goals for, I think it was only like the second time in, in Dallas history or whatever the case was, or first time in Dallas history and second in franchise, whatever the record may be. It's, I've slept a few times since then. <laughs> it was funny because I was talking to Josh Bogorod and we were like, this team just like breaks a new record every night. It feels like now that we're 65 or so games into the season, like every single night, something new is happening. And like you alluded to in the last 13 days of the regular season alone, Jason Robertson breaks Mike Madonna's single season record most by a Dallas star ever. Miro Haskinen breaks Sergei Zubov's record. Joe Pavelski hits a thousand career points. And it's just like nonstop, just every single game. I was like, okay, I got to build this graphic and this graphic and this graphic because this might happen with the way this team's going. This is probably going to happen tonight. If not tonight, the next night. And it was just from a number standpoint, primarily like not only the single, like the individual accolades, but just the team as a whole. I mean, obviously, if you've been a Stars fan for more than two or three seasons, you know that for the last half decade or so, it's been a hard scoring team. It's been a defense first. You know, they've been a very structurally sound team, but the offense has been a little difficult to come by at times for certain players and for the team as a whole. But this year, everything just flowed so freely and not only was the offense going? I mean, you had however many guys over 20 goals. I think it was six different guys over the 20 goal mark. And then you had at least, it was five guys over the 70 point mark. And they were one of just two or three teams with those uh, milestones, if you will. But and then on top of that, the defensive game was still super sturdy and really sound. Jake Ottinger, you know, back to back 30 win seasons. He was never losing, you know, two in a row. He was, you know, very rarely giving up more than three goals a game and to get 37 wins. And it just from the from the crease on out, this team was just a, a statistical lover's dream. And on top of that, like it was funny because I would bring new stats to the table every day. It was it was so easy. Like it was so free flowing. I'd be walking home from a game one night and be like, I should look up this and this and this. I wonder when the last time so-and-so did this. I wonder when the last time a Dallas Stars D-man did this. And it was, from a number standpoint, it made my job a lot easier than in past. Yeah, uh, certainly a lot to be excited about with this team and still uh, with this season, it, certainly for the future with a lot of the guys that we touched on. But even now here in this season, even though things aren't great at the moment. The Stars find themselves in unfamiliar territory in the playoffs in 2023, facing a multi-game deficit down 0-2 against the Vegas Golden Knights. And if you ask around the fan base, and especially if you look on social media, everyone's morale is in a little bit of a different spot. You have some people who you know, are, are the firm believers. There's still no doubt in their mind that the Stars are going to win this series. And you have some people, and I know plenty, uh, that have listened to and watched this podcast saying, 
you know, it, it's been a nice run, but it's time to wrap up and get ready for the next season. J- just from your perspective and what you've seen from this team this season, where is your concern level right now with the Dallas Stars and their standing in this series? Because it, it can feel daunting to have to overcome an 0-2 start, especially with the, both those games being in overtime. You feel like you have a chance to win at least one of those and split those two games on the road. But at the same time, we've seen this Stars team this season battle back from plenty of adversity uh, and you know overcome a lot of great obstacles. So where is your concern level right now for the Stars as they get set to take on the Vegas Golden Knights in Game 3 at home? Yeah, I mean, there there definitely has to be a level of concern and a level of urgency to their game right now. And I mean, I think everybody in the locker room will tell you that. Uh, I, it's funny, you know, yesterday, I think at, at the media availability before the game, Pete was saying, I'm a little less calm than I was going into game two of last series. And I was a little less calm there than going into game two of the Minnesota series. And it's like, because you know, as you get a little bit closer to that dream, the pressure starts to mount a little more. Not only that, but you also know that you're facing a better team every round and you're always the opponent. The opposition is getting stronger and more consistent. And so there's definitely a level of urgency. But at the same time, you know, I think Jason Robertson put it best uh, after game one that it's the first of four wins. And a number of players have said that this year because you think the Stars have been in a two to one hole two different times now and now in a two to zero nothing hole. If they win tomorrow night, they're in two to one and the same place that they've been in the last two series. And, you know, you're right back in it. It almost feels like that's the weirdest thing about the playoffs. And it's always fascinated me because you're playing to four wins. And even though a team may already be halfway there, all you have to do is just win the next game. And then it's like two to one looks a lot better than two to nothing. And then two to two, you're like, okay, we're right back in it. So obviously the home ice shifts back. They've been a really good team at home this this playoff run. Uh, and, you know, you would expect them to find a way to manage and find a way to bounce. But I think they're, what are they, five and five and two at home? I think so. I think I think both losses are overtime, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they, they both both would have been game one. And so, you know, there is a level of urgency. But at the same time, this team very rarely loses three in a row. I don't think they lost three their first they didn't have their first three game skid until the all-star break of this regular season. And now even that was three losses in overtime. So, you know, that this team knows how to battle back. They know how to respond well to adversity. And, you know, that's a, that's a characteristic that a lot of hockey teams don't have a, a lot of teams that are very talented and very good. The first second that adversity sets in, you kind of see them crumble and they start to scramble. And I really don't get that sense with this team. I, I feel like they're still very committed to what they do. They still believe in, in their game plan and in what they're doing. And like you said, it is tough to lose both in overtime, it, even tougher than, you know, if you lost five to one, but as Robertson said, after game one, it's like, it doesn't matter whether it's a five to one loss or a three to two loss, like it's a loss, but to see that they were at overtime in both, they scored the first goal in both. I think it's just a matter of getting back to the basics, like keeping it simple like they did for 55 or so minutes. And yesterday in game two, I mean, they were the better team. They scored early. They got a power play goal. The only goal they allowed was on a five on three. And for the majority of the game, they locked it down. They held Vegas to, I think it was 10 shots through the first two periods. And I mean, seven in the first half of the game alone. And it just felt like, they were in control and they were going to bounce back. And then, you know, a bad turnover turns into a goal 
And next thing you know, you're down to nothing. And so while that can be kind of a gut punch, I also feel like it's kind of a wake up call. Like we're doing a lot of the right things and it's a reassurance of we're still playing a good brand of hockey. It's not like we're losing six to one every night and we're clearly outmatched. We're clearly the inferior team. Like we are doing a lot of good things and we're the better team in long stretches in these games. And it's just a matter of getting back to those basics that have made them so good this season, leaning into those strengths. I talked about that a little bit in the second round against Seattle, just leaning into their strengths more of depth scoring, letting the power play take over and control some games. And just a matter of doing what they do best. And and I think that's easier said than done, obviously, but I really think that this team has that mental stamina and that they're, you know, hardened enough that they know how to bounce back quickly and coming back home. I think that's a really reassuring factor for them. And like I said, all it takes is just one game, just win the next game. And this series looks entirely different. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at game time. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun that you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. If you're interested in going to Game 3, Dallas Stars versus the Vegas Golden Knights, it's not too late. You can get your tickets on the Game Time app. Just download Game Time and create an account and use code LOCKEDONNHL and you can get $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Absolutely. And you touch you touch on the the mental toughness factor for this team, something that has been on display all year long, especially in the crease with Jake Ottinger. That that's been one of the biggest storylines here in the postseason is he doesn't often lose back to back games. In fact, games one and two of this series are the first time he and the stars have lost back to back here in the postseason. He's typically very good after a loss. And I would argue he was very good in game two on Sunday. Again, just you know, unfortunate turnover and a five on three power play goal. Difficult to defend. But how, how have you viewed Jake Ottinger in this series in particular? Because we all know he wasn't necessarily at his best against Seattle, but even this Vegas series has felt like a weird set of goals against him, Where whether it is a five-on-three or just a, a world-class play from Jack Eichel and Jonathan Marchessault. I mean, there's a turnover there, but also an excellent pass from, from an all-world caliber player in Jack Eichel. And then even in game one, a few of those goals, one of them bounces off the boards and goes straight to, to Carlson, who has that wide-open net. Maybe some questionable goalie interference in, in game one as well that doesn't get reviewed. I, I mean, but at, at, at other times, Jake Cottinger has made some really nice saves in close around the crease. And especially early in game one, felt like he kept the stars competitive in the game because it was just, I think at one point it was shots on goal were 11 or 12 to one in Vegas's favor. So how have you kind of viewed Jake Ottinger in this series through two games? Because we haven't seen him in the Western Conference final before. I mean, this every time the stars advance, this is now the biggest stage that he's played on, per se. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think you, you kind of alluded to in, in game one, I mean, you know, people are really quick. A lot of people are really quick to just look at the numbers and be like, he's given up seven goals on 50 or so shots or 60 or so shots. And it's like, that's not good. But then, as you alluded to, like, if it weren't for Jake at certain stretches in these games – 
the game would already be out of reach. And, you know, game one specifically, like you said, that game, the Stars could have essentially gotten really out of reach really quickly because it took them a little while to find their footing. It took them a little while to find their game. And, you know, Pete said after the game that he thought the first period was their worst and the third period was their best. And it was almost like a field out game. Like the first 30 minutes, you're trying to settle in. You're trying to, you know, you're on the road starting a series for the first time. You're trying to get that figured out. You're trying to figure out a brand new opponent that plays a new style and trying to kind of figure out where you're going and how to handle the situation. And then as the game gets along, then you start to get better and you start to get stronger. And I think that was the case. That's why you have the confidence in a goaltender like Jake Ottinger. You know that he's going to keep you in those games. And, you know, Wyatt Johnston, after the Seattle series, he, he said that, you know, Jake always gives us a chance to win. And sometimes he doesn't give us a chance to lose. Like he will do whatever it takes to get them a win, regardless of how good the team in front of him is on that night. And I, I fully believe that that's true. And obviously it's a new series and it's a new team, a really deep team that has a lot of talent. Like you mentioned, Eichel, Stevenson, Marcia. So, I mean, the list goes on and on a really talented back end too. So I don't know. I, I think Jake's had a good series so far and, you know, it's hard to almost like a microcosm yesterday, the turnover that led to the second goal, you know, both things can be true where you say that that turnover was really bad and really messed up the mojo of the game. But at the same time, you can't pinpoint that one turnover and say, that's the reason we lost this game. That is the one reason. So I think it's kind of the same thing with Jake. You can't point at him and be like, he's the reason that this team is struggling right now. But also there's the way of saying there's hope that he can bounce back and he can, you know, put together a really stellar performance knowing that the team in front of him is going to be motivated to come out with their best foot forward last night or tomorrow night rather, and let him do the same thing. Yeah. And speaking of bouncing back a player who has been a bright spot in this series with a goal through the first or two goals, rather through the first two games is Jason Robertson, a guy who at times through round two felt like a non-factor. He picked up an assist here and there. I believe at one point he had a three assist night with Pavelski and Rope hence maybe one of the best games we've seen from that line in the postseason, but he hadn't scored goals, and it had been a while since he had found the back of the net, but now Robo's starting to get a little bit of his momentum back with four goals here in the postseason. How, how big is it to have Jason Robertson back scoring? Because obviously offense hasn't really been an issue for the Stars for the majority of the postseason. Rope Hintz is leading the way in, in scoring across the league right now with the remaining playoff teams. Joe Pavelski, uh, maybe one of his best playoff performances in a seven-game series against the Kraken. Tyler Sagan has stepped up in big moments. Wyatt Johnston, Evgeny Dodonov. But really, it feels like sometimes this team offensively can come and go as Jason Robertson goes, as is to be expected with a guy who's scored you know over 80 goals in two seasons. How important is it to have him playing at the level that he's playing with him, finding a little bit of consistency in this series, especially now that they're down 0-2? Yeah, it's massive. And and like you said, I mean, when you have a guy as consistent as he was during the regular season, I mean, certainly he hit some he hit some miniature slumps throughout the year. But I remember we were I was sitting at morning skate in mid to late November, and it was right in the middle of a stretch where he had 15 goals in the first 25 games. Or, and you're just like, he's on pace for 65 goals. He's on pace for 70 goals. He's on pace for 130 points. And you viewed him as that for the entire season because he he gave you that impression that he could do that. 
And it was through just his continuous work ethic. He was, uh, he's just a, a really complete player, an all around player. And then when you get into the playoffs, you know, obviously he was struggling, especially at even strength to put numbers on the stat sheet, but he was still doing a lot of good things on the ice. And you could tell that the opponent was almost, you know, whether it was Minnesota or Seattle, they were still giving him a lot of attention because even though he was in a bit of a rut, they were like, the last thing we're going to do is let this guy back into the series. Because then if he gets it, if he finds his groove and he gets going, we could be in some serious trouble. And you have to think that Vegas is thinking about that too, because obviously, like you said, he's got goals in back-to-back games. You know, he finally got on the sheet on even strength in game one, which was the first time in this postseason, I think, that he scored an even strength goal. Mm-hmm. And into the nine-game goal drought, and now back-to-back games, he's scoring. You can see that he's starting to feel that confidence. I, I mean, you know, when you look at superstar players that hit – slumps especially during, i mean mainly during the regular season i know a couple of years ago tyler sagan had the longest goal drought of his career in the 2019 2020 campaign i think he went 15 16 17 games without a goal and when you look at those guys it, it's it's almost perplexing because you're like you know that all he needs is one the second he scores that one it's going to you know, be a domino effect that's going to lead to four in the next seven games, to five in the next 10 games. and But at the same time, you're like, how is he going to get that one? That's all he needs. And you know, as time went on, I mean, especially Jason Robertson in game seven and in game six and in game one, or I mean, game five against Seattle, you could see him starting to get closer and get closer. But as luck would have it, you know, a puck, a, a wide open shot, hits a shin you know I think Grubauer robs him blind in in game four or game six or one of those games where he has a wide open net a puck off the inboards and just out of nowhere a next level play by goaltender so it's nice to see him get back to his scoring groove but it's funny because it's like as soon as Jason Robertson finally started picking it up you're starting to wonder where some of these other players that had been really good and really consistent in the Seattle series, where they went and if they're, if their groove is coming back soon. I mean, you look at, I know Pete DeBoer called out the Marchment, Domi and Sagan line. Those guys have been producing almost on a nightly basis against Seattle. Domi, you know, had an incredible series against Seattle. And then this series, they're a minus four. And, you know, last game against game two against Vegas, they combined for, I think it was four or five shots. And it's like, you're wondering where these where these lines are going because you want you so desperately want to see all four lines in action and all four lines playing a consistent style and you you feel like they will come back because everybody hits those slumps and you think that they're going to come back but now the pressure's mounting it'd be nice to get them sooner rather than later definitely and yeah, you'd like to see production from from all four lines, and I think that's one thing that Vegas has done well on their side of the series, too, is they've had some pretty good production from all over their lineup. And I want to highlight one more Dallas Stars player before we talk a little bit about Game 3. Miro Haskinen has just been a, a wonder uh, during this postseason. He leads the NHL in time on ice with 425 minutes. The next closest player is Brandon Montour at 394, which by the time people are hearing this will probably have gone up uh, quite a bit as... Carolina and Florida are playing game three on Tuesday or Monday night. Uh, and let's also Tuesday's point game, out though, so. Dane, that Brandon Montour had four extra overtime periods that he got to play yes. in. 
Yes, so. <laughs> exactly. Miro Haskinen's had some overtimes too, but that, that I mean, I think if you combine Miro's overtime periods across the entire postseason, Montour might have gotten that in just that one game one uh, against Carolina. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's definitely something to factor in. Uh, but I mean, Haskinen is assuming, you know, the stars can continue to advance here in the postseason. Wouldn't be too crazy to believe that he could continue to lead the league. Uh, Victor Hedman led the NHL last season in the postseason with time on ice at 567 minutes. Miro definitely seems like he could reach that if the stars continue to play well and advance. But how how valuable is a guy like Haskin into a team like the stars? Because I feel like stars fans have known since he's been drafted and since he's been playing with this team. I mean, he was there in the bubble in 2020. I mean, we've known how good he is here in Dallas. And I feel like now he's starting to get some of that recognition from the rest of the NHL community. But I feel like we can just grow maybe numb is the word to what Haskinen does, let alone that he was doing it with stitches on his face through the majority of the second series. I mean, how special is it to have a guy like Haskinen on your team who not only just eats those minutes up, but produces, plays defense, and, and plays in all aspects of the game? It's it's unreal, and it's funny because I it always makes me laugh every time the Stars make the playoffs. The, the narrative on Twitter is almost like, finally Haskinen's going to get his, like, his time in the spotlight and he's going to be able to be on the big pedestal and show everybody what he's made of. And, you know, especially this year when people were a little shocked that he wasn't even considered a, a Norris finalist and, and he wasn't even, he didn't even crack the top three, which to be honest, perplexed me a little bit. And, you know, it was funny. I was talking to my producer earlier in the year, midway through the season, we were comparing Miro's games uh, through the first 40 or 41 games of the season last year versus this year. And every single metric was like substantially better, whether it was assists, whether it was points, whether it was time on ice, whether it was plus minus, whether it was, you know, power play time on ice, whether it was power play points. I mean, that one is specifically now with the departure of John Klingberg last summer, Miro stepped in and we had almost expected, we were like, when is Miro really going to, you know, become the, the quarterback of this power play? And he did and stepped in flawlessly and put together a record year. I think he finished top three in power play points among D-men this season. So it's funny because that narrative always seems to sprout up every spring about finally everybody's going to get to really see what we see all the time. But I'm like, is that narrative ever going to like, I feel like everybody now sees him. Like everybody, everybody knows what he's capable of and everybody knows. I mean, we've known, like you said, since, I think his first or second shift of his in first NHL game against Arizona back in 2018, when had the puck behind his own net, takes it out by himself, takes it all the way to the other end of the ice, has a scoring chance, gets his own rebound, throws the puck back out, creates another scoring chance and keeps the puck in the zone, creates another scoring chance all in one shift. And we're like, the guy just, it's almost like he's playing in a league of his own. Like he's, He's playing his own game at that time. And it's it's unbelievable just every way that he produces and every way that he finds a way to produce. I mean, obviously the injury, everybody was like, wow, this guy's really built different based on the swollen face that he's playing through in game four. But I think he's built different in every other regard too. We've known that he's built different just in his how he plays and how flawlessly he looks on the ice. And he just makes everything look so simple that I remember Andre Secker, I think, in training camp a couple of years ago, when he first was in his first ever training camp with the Stars skating alongside Miro, 
He's like, you could have an espresso at the blue line. He's like, you could just sit there and watch and he he'll do all the work for you. Like he, he can just, he's like three defensemen combined into one. And it's just, it's an incredible feat that he's achieving right now. But as you said, we've expected this. And it's almost like as the games get more and more important, Miros finds a way to get better and better. And that's a rare talent for you know, that few players in this league really possess. Yeah, certainly. And it's been incredible to see him take those steps forward with the, the John Klingberg departure, like you mentioned, and kind of those questions of, is he ready to be the guy on the blue line? And he, I think he's answered the call. And now we're starting to see kind of the, the next steps of the blue line develop with Thomas Harley coming up. And I think we're seeing some similar tr traces there of, you know, Harley has really a lot of his NHL experience has been in the postseason and he's looked pretty sharp for the most part. And so I think there's a lot to look forward to right now, but also even down the line with Haskinen kind of leading the charge there defensively. Uh, and of course, he's going to need to be a huge factor in games three and four if the Stars look to get back into this series. But kind of where I want to wrap up and uh, kind of the final big question here for you, Josh, is with game three in Dallas, if you're, you know, which I say if you are actually talking to an audience of Stars fans here on this podcast, but <laughs> plenty of people, again, all over the spectrum, belief, there's doubt. But if you're looking at this game and you and you get the opportunity now to address the people here, how are you convincing the Stars fans out there that the Dallas Stars can win this game? Or rather, I could say the Dallas Stars will win game three because and then fill in the blank. <laughs> oh, I feel like I'm in school again with fill in the blank questions. <laughs> um, but I, I will say, like, I think that there's a lot of reason to believe, you know, the one factor being that the, the moment never seems to has not yet seemed to be too big for this Dallas Stars team at any point throughout this season, whether it was, you know, battling for a top spot for home ice advantage towards the end of the playoffs when you had that log jam at the top of the Central Division, whether it was being down one nothing against Minnesota and losing Joe Pavelski or down 2-1, you know, with those flat game threes against Minnesota and Seattle where it's like they're really not playing well, they're down in the series, they've lost home ice, a little nervous, but at the same time, they find a way to rebound. They find a way to respond. And you can tell that – I don't even know if it's – they're confident, but I also feel like they're just a little agitated. They're they're a little frustrated that we had – it seems like we had a, a golden opportunity to win both games. Like, you know, it's obviously on the flip side of the coin because they were in a different spot in game one and in game two. But in game one, when Jamie scores that – tying goal with less than two minutes left. And you're like, they have the momentum now. They've been the better team the last 20 or 30 minutes of the game. Like they should be able to close this out. And then yesterday they've been the better team for 55 minutes. The first 55 minutes of the game, they should be able to close this out and to lose both in overtime the way they did, you know, not like you said, not even be able to get a split. I think that's hanging on their head. And I think that they know in this locker room, you know, I was talking to Wyatt Johnston the other day and he had a really good quote. He had a really good line about, I was like, on these big stages in these big moments, you know, you're halfway there, but you still have half the journey to go to get to your ultimate goal. How do you kind of manage that, that, that belief of, okay, we've, we've done a lot, we've accomplished a lot, but we can't really hang our hat on any of that right now because there's still so much left to go. And he talked a lot about the veterans in the locker room, the guys that have been there. I mean, Joe Pavelski, who's been in this situation five or six times before in the conference finals, 
or it's like we've won two series in pretty convincing fashion and we've done a good job and we've you know been tested along the way and we've risen to the occasion but now we still have half the journey to go and yeah guys are hurting yeah guys are tired like you're playing hockey every other night they're they're approaching 100 games this season alone now and it's like he he equated it he was like these these veterans kind of keep you locked in and locked into the moment. You know, you never get too high. You never get too low. They, they have everybody focused and knowing that we haven't accomplished anything yet. And when our backs are against a wall, when we're pinned into a corner, whether we're down two to one or down one to nothing, or, you know, tied three, three going into a game seven, they're there to kind of bring everybody's emotions to neutral and just help everybody focus on our game. And you know that these guys want to win this cup so badly for some of these guys in this locker room, Joe Pavelski, Ryan Suter, Pete DeBoer, Jamie Benn. The list kind of goes on and on of these, these players that have done so well and they've done so much for this franchise, for the game of hockey as a whole, for U.S. hockey, whatever the case may be. It, it feels like it's their time. And obviously Vegas is probably saying that same thing over on the other side, whether it's Jack Eichel in his first playoffs, whether it's, you know, Vegas as a whole has been so close so many times, been to the conference finals a number of times. You know, Bruce Cassidy, all those years in Boston that he got so close but never actually got there. So th the storyline is great with both of these teams, but this Stars team, I feel like when when the moment is like, especially when the when the urgency is up, they know how to bring it and they know their style and they know that it's a winning style. So I, I feel pretty confident that they're going to come out with their best foot forward tomorrow night, win game three. And like I said, once it's two to one, then you look at this series in a whole new lens. And it's like, it's not, it's no longer, Oh no, we're freaking out. We're, we're on the ropes here. It's, Hey, we win the next game and we're tied. And then it's a best of three at that point. Yeah. I mean, a ton to look forward to here in game three, given like you just said, the guys who are in the locker room, who are leading the charge, you know it's going to be a dogfight between these two teams as it's been through the first two games. But, Josh, this has been great. I appreciate you coming on. And I want to give you a second now. I know you're doing some work with, with NHL.com, and you, you're staying busy this time of year like a lot of us covering the stars on this run. If you just want to take a second and let the people know where they can find you and where they can find your work in case they're interested uh, in hearing more from you throughout this season and maybe even in the postseason as well. Yeah, absolutely. So right now, obviously, now that – First round coverage is done. It's been done for a while with uh, over on Valley Sports Southwest. I'm now uh, covering the team on DowStars.com. So stars.nhl.com. Uh, game day stories. I, I get one up every game day and then might do a feature piece here and there. They actually, they let me back into the writing game, which might have been their mistake. But <laughs> regardless of the matter, I'm excited to be back and doing it, telling stories. And it's it's been a lot of fun. And like you said, I mean, this this team has put together such a special run and it's crazy just how quickly in the blink of an eye you all of a sudden kind of feel like, oh, my gosh, this run might be on the on the brink of an end. But then at the same time, like we said, it just takes one game and you bounce back. And that's kind of the that's the thought process. That's the theme. And that's what we're going for. So obviously on stars.nhl.com, you can find game day stories from me. And then if you want to follow me at Josh underscore Clark zero two on Twitter, I will occasionally tweet out a somewhat meaningless, but nonetheless fun fact uh, regarding this star's playoff run regarding a player reaching a milestone, whatever the case may be. So check me out there. If you feel 
the need to or the desire to. And if not, it's weird, Dane. I, you know, when Kenneth, when Kenneth and I were on here, he would always tag me. He'd be like, you can follow me at Kenneth underscore Nash, or you can follow Josh at Josh. And I said, only if you want to, though. You don't have to. <laughs> only if you want to. So again, only if you want to follow me, you can. If not, I won't hold it against you. Yeah, well, I know I, for one, enjoy the the stats that do come from your Twitter account, and I imagine many people listening and watching at home would probably feel the same way. But, Josh, thank you so much again. Uh, enjoyed it, and hopefully we can have you back on again sometime soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Dane, and let's go to Game 3. Again, a very special thank you to Josh for joining today's episode, giving his insight. I hope you guys enjoyed it as well. We'll, of course, be back here tomorrow with a response from whatever goes down here in Game 3 breaking everything down and looking ahead towards the rest of the series. But I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode of Locked on Stars. If you did, feel free to subscribe to the show on YouTube or your favorite podcasting platform of choice. Remember, we are always free and available no matter where or how you choose to listen. You can also find and follow us on social media. Just search Locked on Stars on Instagram or Twitter, as well as my personal Twitter account at Dane double underscore Lewis. But I hope you guys, again, enjoyed today's episode. Enjoy the game tonight. Should be a fun and incredible game. And hopefully we'll see the Stars get their first win of the series and get themselves right back into the mix here in the Western Conference Final. But enjoy your Tuesday, everybody. Enjoy Game 3. And we'll see you right back here tomorrow. Tomorrow.